To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Everybody loves a good mystery, but what does the mystery of Christ in you look like when applied to your everyday life? It looks like you rejoicing when you suffer for the cause of Christ, serving others until they are mature in Christ, and building real relationships with those who are following hard after Christ. It also looks like you walking daily with Jesus until you are built up and established in the faith. Don't just solve the mystery of Christ in you. Live it out until the mystery becomes reality. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Because Christ now lives in you, how should you then live? Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and thanks for stopping by for today's edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Coming up next, Ron shares four ways in which your life should reflect the power of Jesus Christ living in you. One of them may surprise you. All of them will bless you. Stay with us now as Ron continues his teaching series, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than. Online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org, where you can listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now, here's Ron and part two of his Something Good Radio message, The Mystery of Christ in You. But he's talking, I believe, about what Christ was saying and, and, and predicting and prophesying about his church and his people, about how this thing called the Christian life is fraught with suffering. Don't think it's strange, Peter says, when the fiery trial comes upon you. Don't think it's strange that brothers and sisters in Christ around the world are being persecuted, literally losing their heads and their lives. Name the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus would teach us that the more you love me and the more you are conformed into my image, the more this world will hate you. And, and Paul perhaps is, is reminiscent of something he heard on the road to Damascus. Remember Ananias, who was the first one instructed to meet this Saul of Tarsus, this terrorist from Tarsus? And Ananias had a message from the Lord for Paul, and that message was the Lord saying to him, for I will show you, Paul, how much you must suffer for the sake of my name. We're talking about the mystery of Christ applied, the mystery of Christ being lived out. It's gotta change the way you suffer. It's gotta change the way you think about suffering. We've gotten soft as Christians. You know, if somebody says a nasty word to us, oh, you know, it's nothing like the church has suffered uh, throughout church history. Not, not to contribute to the sufferings of Christ redemptively, but I think to do two things. One is to advance the gospel. Paul always tied his sufferings to the advancement of the gospel and the building up of the church but also in the way that we, we identify with Christ. You know, Jesus said, if you want to be one of my disciples, deny yourself, 
take up your cross daily and follow me. There's suffering in that. And nobody's signing up for it. Nobody's saying, oh, I want to be the first to suffer. That'd be a little bit weird. But when it does come, we, we need to have a biblical perspective on this. This is Christ in you, the hope of glory being fleshed out in everyday life in a way that advances the gospel. God may choose to bring suffering to your life or to my life for the purpose of reaching other people for Christ. And we have to leave room for that in our theology. Because we are possessors of the mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Praise God for that. I'm reminded of what uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthians and the ways he suffered. 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 29. Just write down that passage. Go back and read this sometime this week. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Anybody willing to sign up for that as a follower of Jesus? Come on now. And apart from other things, Paul says, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? Paul, Paul lived this mystery of Christ and hope of glory in him through his flesh and through his, his sufferings. One more thought here. I'm reminded of his writing to the Philippians. And Paul says to the Philippians, this is another one of his prison epistles, all right? He writes from prison this joy-filled letter to the Philippians. And in chapter 3 and verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. How many of you want to know him? Come on now. Come, come on. How many of you want to know Christ? And he goes on to say, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. How many of you want to know him in the power of his resurrection? You want to have more, more Holy Spirit power flowing through your life? Great. And then he adds this, and in the fellowship of his sufferings. Oh, are you kidding me? Makes me think of two military people who come back from war and they have a foxhole experience. There's a bond between the two of them because they were in that foxhole together and fought that war together. It's an unshakable bond. And when you and I suffer like Christ did, um, oh, maybe not a physical suffering on a cross, but maybe mistreated, despised, and rejected by the world, that's when Jesus says, come on in a little bit closer. We've got something in common now. You now, now what, you now know what it feels like. And Paul had this deep, deep desire to know Christ, not just on the surface, but to know him deeply, to know him intimately. Yes, in the power of his resurrection, but he was willing to go there for the sake of Christ that brought suffering to his life. The kind of mistreatment that he 
wrote to the second, uh, second letter to the Corinthians and to say, you know what? None of this really matters because what I get is a more intimate, personal, deeper, foxhole kind of relationship with Jesus. If I had time this morning, I could tell you about some times I've been mistreated as a pastor, despised and rejected, not so much by the world, but by some of God's own people. And when I went through those times, there, there were just times of intimacy with Jesus because I could go to him with my, my, my aching heart. And he says to me in the quietness of the moment, I know exactly how you're feeling. This mystery of Christ in you should change the way you suffer. Secondly, the way you serve. Paul says in verse 24, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Quickly here, he's talking about the ministry that God had entrusted to him. He uses the word, one of my favorite words, a stewardship. He says, the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. And he says, this is to make the word of God fully known. That was the ministry that God had entrusted to Paul. And he received it as a stewardship. In contrast to the word ownership. One of the most difficult transitions for a believer in Jesus Christ to make is from an ownership worldview to a stewardship worldview. From a worldview that says, what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. Get your dirty paws off of my stuff. From a worldview that says, uh, I make all I can, I can all I get, and I sit on the lid. To a stewardship worldview that says, what's mine is God's, and I'm going to share it. Starting with my very life. To a stewardship worldview that says, I make all I can, I save all I can, but I give all I can. In the words of John Wesley, because at the end of the day, I'm just a steward. And whatever ministry he's entrusted to you is a stewardship. It's a sacred trust for the purpose of making the Word of God fully known. How are you doing in that stewardship responsibility? One day will you hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my Lord. We'll be right back with more of today's Something Good message from Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And let me ask you, do you have a passion to pray? Would you like to learn to pray with zeal from someone who mastered the art of divine communication? The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gave them a model for prayer that even a child can learn. Today, Dr. Ron Jones is ready to share his brand new book, The Jesus Way to Pray, an intimate journey through the Lord's Prayer. Join Ron as he guides you phrase by phrase through the power and beauty of the prayer that begins, Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. You'll also find an entire chapter that explains how Jesus prays for you and me, as well as biblical answers to the age-old question, Does God Answer Prayer? That's The Jesus Way to Pray, an intimate journey through the Lord's Prayer. Order your copy for a donation of $25 or more. Share it with a friend and request a two-pack for $50, a four-pack for $75, or an eight-pack for $150 or more. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone and call our offices at 757-276-1099 or you can mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245 
Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Now let's get you back to the second half of today's Something Good radio message, The Mystery of Christ in You. Once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones. Paul goes on to say in verse 28, Him we proclaim. It's Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Anytime you see a word repeated twice or three times like that, circle it and spend some time thinking about it. Why, why did he emphasize everyone mature in Christ? Because the elite spiritual teachers were saying, yeah, the, this, this maturity and this deeper knowledge and this higher wisdom is only for the spiritually elite. Not everyone's going to get there. And Paul says, no, I, I've received this ministry and this stewardship for the purpose so that everyone is mature in Christ. And that is the goal of our ministry. Number three, the mystery of Christ in you applied has to do with your relationships. Now let's read on in chapter two. And again, I love how Paul weaves in to this, yes, sometimes ivory tower theology, just some practical relational things. He says to the Colossians, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. He wants that their hearts may be encouraged and knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, he says. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. Paul is highly, highly relational. And it made me think of how in the church today we talk a lot about our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's true. You can have a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's personal. I always say it's personal, but it's never private. Don't be a secret service Christian where nobody knows of your faith in Christ. But Christianity is not just personal. It's also communal. We're, we're meant to live out our faith in community with other followers of Jesus. Throughout the letter Paul writes to the Colossians, there are probably, I don't know, 10, 12, maybe 14 different names of people that he drops into the conversation. People that he's connected with, people that he is doing ministry with. There are no lone rangers in the Christian life. If you think you can have a personal relationship with God and, you know, I'm, I'm okay with Jesus and he's all right with me and I don't need this thing called organized Christianity, you're wrong. It was never meant to be that way. Christianity from the very beginning, from Acts chapter 2, was communal. We do this together. It's why we say ad nauseum here, gather, grow, give, go, grace, all of that, we gather in a worship service, we gather in a life group. Because the lifeblood of your relationship with God and mine is other people who are following hard after Christ. And we need one another. And this mystery of Christ in you is not something you just, yeah, you know, Jesus is all right with me and I'm all right with him and we got this thing going, but I don't need, I don't need all that other stuff. Yeah, you do. You do. And Paul says it in so many ways as he writes in, in very relational terms. He had never met these people in Colossae. He didn't plant this church. 
but he had a heartfelt relationship with them and for them. And he was connected in ministry with all kinds of people, and he drops these names in. i got to move on. Lastly, the mystery of Christ and you applied has to do with your daily walk with Jesus. Look at it in verse 6 and 7 of chapter 2. Therefore, Paul says, therefore means in light of everything I've just said, Okay, I'm, I'm summarizing some things. I'm pulling something together. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Quick question. How did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? It's not a trick question, class. Think Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. How did you receive Him? By grace and through faith, right? That's a good starting point. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. The word walk throughout uh, the New Testament describes how we live out our faith. Christian life is a walk. It's not a hop, skip, and a jump. It's not a sprint. It's a walk. It's how we, how we walk through life. As you received Him, so walk in Him. How did you receive Him? By grace and through faith. How do you walk in Him? <laughs> by grace and through faith. Paul wrote a letter to the Galatians, and he says, I'm, 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 I'm amazed at how quickly you've been beguiled by another gospel, because the Judaizers came in and they said, oh yeah, you can receive salvation by grace and through faith, but you've got to live out this Christian life by the law. And here's, here's the hard hammer of the law. No, we live in Christ and walk in Christ by grace. I don't know about you, but I need the grace of God every day. Not just in salvation, but in my sanctification too. Because I wish I was more sanctified than I really am. And sometimes the Lord looks at me and says, my grace is sufficient for you. And, and you can never take faith out of the equation. The Bible says that apart from faith, Hebrews chapter 11, it's impossible to please God. Not just difficult, but, it, but if you try to come to Christ and you're, you, you want so much proof that you take faith out of the equation. Listen, Christianity is a reasonable faith, a reasonable uh, proposition based upon uh, reasonable evidence, but reason only takes you so far. Faith takes you the rest of the way. And you can never take faith out of the equation. How is God stretching your faith today? If you can't answer that question, you need to spend some more time with him. Because he's always, always trying to stretch our faith and trust in him. That's how you walk with Christ. By grace, when you mess up, huh, oh, I need the grace of God today. My grace is sufficient for you. But he's always going to stretch your faith. And when you fight against that and say, no, nah, if, if we could just take faith out of this, God, show me exactly. That doesn't work that way. The mystery of Christ in you is lived out and applied and fleshed out in the daily walk with Christ, which is by grace and through faith. And that's how we become rooted in the faith, Paul says, the agricultural analogy. How deep are your roots in the faith? You'll know when the storms come, when the suffering comes, you'll know exactly how deep the roots are. And then he changes the analogy to construction. 
built up, okay? Built up. We've all seen buildings that were not built with you know, good, strong construction materials, but the body of Christ is. And I pray every week that uh, through our time together and through all the times that we spend together in life groups and in other places that God would strengthen the body of Christ, deepening our roots so that when the storms come and the times of sufferings come, there's deep roots and strong roots, building us up in the faith, brick by brick, stone by stone. And this is how we live the Christian life and how the mystery of Christ in you and in me becomes reality. It isn't just some theological idea, but it's a mystery that's solved and it's a mystery that's applied. Thanks for joining us for today's Something Good radio message, The Mystery of Christ in You, and I'm pleased to welcome in Dr. Ron Jones. Ron, I've often heard people say Christianity is a personal thing, that it's between them and God. Now, you touched on this subject earlier in today's message, but how about expanding on the idea as we wrap things up here on Something Good Radio? I'm so glad you asked this question, Brian, and so much comes to my heart and mind. Let me just begin by saying that, yes, we can have a personal relationship with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that is inherent in the gospel message. That's the good news of Jesus Christ, that your sins can be forgiven, and yes, you can have a personal relationship with God. But I'm also quick to say that that relationship, though personal, should never be private. So private that nobody knows you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, the gospel and uh, the Christian life and the Bible knows nothing of such things. I call those secret service Christians, and um, that is really kind of an oxymoron. On the contrary, Jesus said to his disciples, you are the light of the world. Uh, you don't hide your light under a bushel. He said, on the contrary, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. He also gave us the Great Commission, which says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Inherent in the Great Commission is the idea of, yes, letting your light shine, sharing your faith in Christ with others, soul winning and disciple making. There's nothing private about that, but yes, you're sharing your personal relationship with Jesus Christ with others. Also, the Christian life is not meant to be lived so privately and so alone. I often say, you know, there's no room for uh, uh, lone rangers in the Christian life. We're told by the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, uh, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. We're to get connected in uh, real and authentic biblical community, uh, starting in a local church, uh, that's where you'll find such community. And, and the New Testament, over and over again, through what we call the one another passages, uh, confirms this idea and encourages us to get connected in biblical community. Again, because though our relationship with God is personal, it is not private. And we don't live out the Christian life uh, all alone, but we, we do it together with others who are following hard after Christ. Amen. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some great final thoughts from today's message, The Mystery of Christ in You. And Ron, we're about out of time, but tell us what's headed our way next time as we continue our journey through the book of Colossians. Well, Brian, tomorrow I'm in Colossians chapter 2 for a message titled The Deep Roots of Your Faith. 
And just as deep roots are important for a bush or for a tree, so it is in our faith. The deep roots of our faith are absolutely critical. Let me put it this way. The deep roots of your faith will steady you in trials. They will sustain you during those difficult stormy times and they are there to nourish your spiritual growth. And that's where I'm headed tomorrow, Brian. And I hope that all of our listeners will join us because I believe this message will encourage us uh, to dig a little deeper into our relationship with Christ. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones continues his teaching series, Colossians, Jesus is greater than. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.